Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Someone said to me not long ago, we've been saved by faith. Not really true. When you think about the way it, way it says it there, we haven't been saved by faith. We've been saved by grace. We are saved by grace through faith. It is in putting our trust in God that the grace of God is revealed in us, not of any works. Works do not save us. There is nothing we do to earn our salvation. It's only by the grace of God that we are saved by His undeserved favor. When salvation and a love for Jesus become the foundation of our lives, then we start to develop a faith that results in a fruitful life of works. Works that are a result of our salvation, not a prerequisite or a requirement for it. With more on faith and our journey through Hebrews, here's Robert Furrow with Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Faith is a fruit that grows. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, in, in this section he's talking about we can live by our flesh and from our flesh we can reap corruption or we can live by the Spirit and from our spirit we can reap life. And if we live by the deeds of the flesh and we practice them, we will not go to heaven. If we live by the Spirit, this will be the evidence that the Spirit is in our lives. And he gives us nine fruits of the Spirit. Nine things that are evidences that you have committed your life to Christ. These are not things that have to be in place when you commit your life to Christ. And after you do, they're almost invisible, but like fruit that grows on a tree, revealing what kind of tree it is. Have you ever bought a house with a fruit tree on it? Not knowing what kind of a tree it was? This is an orange tree, maybe. It's a lemon tree. It's a, you know, it's citrus, some kind. It's a grapefruit tree you know for sure when the fruit starts to grow on it. That's how you know for sure. And so someone says, I'm a Christian, but the fruit is of the flesh. Then there's no evidence. I'm not saying that you aren't, okay? I'm not gonna judge you, but there's no evidence that you are. That's a scary place to be. The real Christian is gonna have fruit that is the evidence. And listen to what that fruit is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. When you really and genuinely make a commitment to Christ, then love is going to be one of the dominating factors of your life. The Bible even says when there's a disagreement between us, when someone's caught up in sin, you're supposed to go to them gently and restore them. It says in Galatians 6. And then the Bible says, and I think it's 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, that you who are spiritual, when you have a conflict with someone, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness and gentleness that you might be able to win them back again. Everything in our lives is to be about love. Everything. There, there's, there's never a time that it's not. Love, the fruit of the Spirit, it says. This is, again, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This is a fruit that is, is, is a response from a commitment to Christ. Do you lack joy in your life? Do you really have a relationship with Him? Because there will be joy. There will be peace. There will be long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness. Then this word, faithfulness gentleness and self-control, against such there is no law. Now, the word faithfulness is the same Greek word that's in Hebrews 11.1, 1. only it's in the continual. It's the, it's the basic word for faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. This word faithfulness is the same word, but it's in the continual. 
When we commit our lives to Christ and trust him in faith, then faith becomes this fruit in our life that grows. No wonder it becomes evidence to us. When you think about being a substance that you actually grab a hold of the hope that you have in God, and then it becomes evidence because it's growing as a fruit in your life. The fourth, and I'm going to reverse these for the people who are, for the, for the media team. The fourth is actually my fifth, but let me give you the fourth. I don't have to tell you that, I know, but I do anyway. My fourth is that faith comes by the Word of God. R real, genuine faith comes when you trust God. Okay, faith comes by hearing, uh, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Every time God gives you a word, a promise, it's like a check that he gives us. And you can trust God. What if we were talking after a service on a Saturday night when I hang out and um, you told me I'm really struggling, got some, pray, pray for me. I'm really struggling financially. I need to get some things taken care of. And I came to you the next week and said, you know, we prayed about it and we want to help you out. And here's a check. It's going to meet your needs. I gave you a personal check. You see it and you get all excited. Pastor Robert's going to help, help me out financially. This is awesome. Until you get to the bank on Monday morning. You, you wouldn't think that my check is going to bounce because you would say, well, he's a pastor and I trust him. I'm trusting him to give me eternal advice. I should be able to trust him with a check, right? If you took the check from me and said, is this really good? Is this going to bounce? I would begin to wonder, Wonder what kind of character I'm revealing if you think I'm going to give you a bad check. So God gives us his word, which is like a written check that is far more faithful. You have God's promises. When you receive a check from me, it changes your mode. You're all depressed and upset, but you get a check from me and you're all happy. God's far more trustworthy than I am. I want to be a man of my word for sure. I haven't bounced a check in a long time. And, and Lord willing, I won't. But God's far more faithful than I am. Far more faithful. There are things that are out of my control. There are things that I can't help. Sometimes I might bounce a check out of something out of, completely out of my control. But God's far more faithful. And when God gives us his word, then we can believe what he says. We can trust what he says. We can apply what he says to our lives. Now let me give you the fifth thing about faith that we need to know. And that is, that your faith is going to be tested. That God will test your faith, which means that there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be hardships, that he's not telling you, just come to me and believe in me and trust in me and everything's going to be great, but it's going to be tested. And I've got two verses for that. The first one is James 1, 2 and 3. And we know this one well, which says, my brethren, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Then this second part, that we, we generally think about that part. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials, which is hard to do. How are you? Man, life is really tough, but I'm just rejoicing in the trials I'm facing. That's hard to do. The second part says, though, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. What is God testing you with those trials? Your faith. To see if you're going to continue to put your trust in God when you are facing difficulties and hardships. The last section that I want to read you is a longer section. 
And the point is made near the end of the section. So let me read this to you. It's 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. It's going to talk about testing of your faith at the end, but it talks about what we receive because of our faith in the beginning. He says in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this greatly rejoice. That's just like James chapter 1 verse 2. In this greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. It's the same thing James says. There are these grievous trials, but your faith is being tested like gold that is put to a fire. In their day, if you were given gold that had not been through the smelting process of removing the impurities, you had no idea what the value of that gold was. You had no idea how much impurities were there. It was not valuable. But pure gold that had been put to the process of removing the impurities was valuable. And so he uses the analogy. God's putting you in the heat. God's melting away the impurities. And I like that. I like that God is, is doing something in me that I'm becoming better because of the trials that God's putting me through. I like that. I wish it was done a different way, though. Wouldn't it be nice if that was done through great times? Like the Bible's just like, I'm going to give you great times and it's going to purify you. No, it's through the grievous difficulties that we find ourselves purified. It says that this faith is much more precious than gold than perishes. The faith that you receive, it's your inheritance that doesn't fade away in heaven, though it is tested by fire. And then it goes on to say that you may be found the praise and the honor and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, let me just give you one more passage that I didn't think about when I was writing this, but remembered later. And that's that James tells us that faith without works is dead. Now, Paul tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, not of any works, lest anyone should boast. So someone said to me not long ago, we've been saved by faith. Not really true. When you think about the way it says it there, we haven't been saved by faith. We've been saved by grace. We are saved by grace through faith. It is in putting our trust in God that the grace of God is revealed in us, not of any works. So when James says faith without works is dead, He's saying the evidence, the fruits, is going to be there if there's genuine faith. He's not disagreeing with Paul. Paul is saying the way we are saved is by the undeserved favor of God, God's grace, by putting our trust in Him. Grace through faith. James is saying once you really have genuine faith, there will be evidence. It's the same thing Jesus said when He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's the same thing John meant when John said in John chapter 1, if you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. And if you don't, you're a liar. 
Now, James puts it in a really harsh way. Jesus was nicer about it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. James, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. If you don't, you're a liar. Meaning, faith without works is dead. It's not that you do works in order to be saved. We know that's getting the, the, the carriage before the horse, right? We know that it's faith, it's believing, it's grace. But then there's a transformation and the evidence that we really and truly have made a commitment to Christ that is a revelation of the faith. And we need that. We need that evidence because how else would we know? How do I know? What's the assurance that I have salvation? Because I'm being sanctified, because God's doing his work in me, because I'm growing more and more in him. Now, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, he's going to go all the way back now. And if you're studying with us in Hebrews, you know that at the end of Hebrews 10, he quoted Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. That's the board that sent him off into this whole topic. The just shall live by faith. Quoted in Romans, quoted in Galatians, quoted in Hebrews. All of them out of Habakkuk. The just will live by faith. And then he says, the elders obtained a good testimony. And he's not, and, and in Hebrews, he's talking about the old covenant, the law, and the new covenant, the cup of Christ, of love, that, forgive, that we're forgiven by. But he's going to go way back before the law. He's going to show us that the people in, under the law received salvation the same way that we receive it under the new covenant. Under the law, they believed. Under the new covenant, they believed. But he's going to go way before the law. He's going to start way before it. In fact, we get it in verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. The author of the Hebrews goes, let's just start in the beginning. By faith, we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of things which are visible. That is, everything that we have around us comes from, from nothing. There was nothing, and then there is everything. Today, scientists talk about the cause, the first cause, and, and they'll come up with their theories but by faith, the Bible says here 2,000 years ago, we believe that the worlds were created out of nothing. And then in verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and through it, being dead, still speaks. So we know that Cain and Abel gave their, their gifts, right? And Cain brought, he was a tiller of the ground, and he brought fruits as a gift. Cain, Abel was a shepherd, and he brought a sheep, an animal to sacrifice. And so people today will argue over why did God receive Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? And some will come to the conclusion it's because it was an animal sacrifice and blood was shed, and so that's why God accepted Cain's. But it's not. We learn right here what it is. It's faith. By faith, Abel brought his gift. Later on, they received grain offerings. It's not about the blood that was shed. It's about the faith that Abel had. Abel had faith and God trusted him. And God said to Cain when Cain was upset, if you do good, you will be accepted. But be careful because sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. 
He then moves on from Cain and Abel to Enoch in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had a testimony that he pleased God. Enoch had a relationship with God. And I think Enoch, Enoch is full of types. And I don't have time to get into all the types of Enoch tonight. We will do that at another point. But Enoch has this relationship with God and he loves him. And he goes out for a walk with God. And Enoch is like, time to go home. And God's like, yeah, just come with me. And God took him alive up into heaven. I believe that Enoch is a type of the church before the destruction of the flood. But by faith, it says that Enoch walked with God. He had that kind of a relationship with God. This was long before the law. The same way you have a relationship with God is the same way that Enoch had a relationship with God. And then we get to Noah. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things that he had not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. That is, when people would come to him and say, why are you building a boat? Because up to this time, the Bible says there was no rain, that God had a mist come up out of the ground and water the earth. And so people would come to know, why are you building a boat? Because God's going to destroy it. And by faith, he built that boat, which must have been a hard thing to do, by the way. And then we come to Abraham. This is the first part of Abraham. We're going to get the second part of him next week. But Abraham is called our father of faith. And the interesting thing is, is that he had lapses of faith. He's called our father in faith, but he had lapses of faith. In verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of his place, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which foundations, whose builder and maker was God. So by faith, God told him to leave. And it's interesting, when you study it in Genesis, he only goes part way. God tells him to leave to go to the land that he would show him. He stops in a place called Haran until his dad dies. And then he goes the rest of the way. No wonder Jesus told us that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. It doesn't take great faith. At one point, the disciples said, increase our faith. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long? Have you learned nothing? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. So he goes on to Sarah now. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead was born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Sarah's faith is spoken of here as well. But Sarah also had lapses of faith. It was Sarah who said to Abraham, just take my handmaiden, Hagar. Have a child through her. And Abraham was like, okay. And so they did. There was a lack of faith. And it caused all kinds of problems for them. The year before Sarah finally conceived and had this child, the Lord visited Abraham. The Lord walked up to his tent, had a meal with him in his tent door. 
and told him that this time next year your wife Sarah is going to be with child is going to I think be with child and Sarah from inside the tent laughs that's in the very end and the Lord says to Abraham why did your wife laugh and she says from inside the tent I didn't laugh and yet here her faith is commended you say well I'm not like Abraham or maybe you're more like Abraham than you realize maybe you're more like Sarah than you realize verse 13 these all died in faith not having received the promise but having seen them from afar off the promise was the Messiah they saw it from afar off and they believed it says assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth which of course you and I are to be strangers and pilgrims here we are not of this world we are different than the people who are here in verse 14 he says for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland and truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out of they would have had an opportunity to return but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them so we see here that the writer to the Hebrews is saying to them they could have thought of where they came from and they could have returned and you guys who have come to Christ are thinking about the law and you're wanting to return to the temple they were wanting to go back and give sacrifices again and he says they could have thought and gone back but you don't go back continue to press forward in faith faith by no means has to be perfect and I think that's what we learned in this first section which is really really good because if Abraham our father of faith didn't have perfect faith if Sarah didn't have perfect faith I assume that Abel's faith wasn't perfect as well Noah's faith wasn't perfect as well Enoch's faith wasn't perfect as well when we dive into Abraham's life he leaves the promised land one time right there's a famine in the land so what does he do he goes to Egypt and there's problems that arise then he does it again later so that we will know I'm going to trust in God I'm going to believe in him I'm going to swear to him fealty with my heart I'm going to believe unto righteousness and find that faith that is transformative that turns you into a new person that transforms you that you would love God with all that you have that you would find the fruits of love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control stand with me would you and let's pray together father thank you that we have such a clear understanding here in Hebrews chapter 11 of what faith is and how these people before the law were faithful and by faith trusted in you and received promises and that us who live after the law by faith receive the same exact promises we thank you for the work that you're doing in each one of our lives and I also pray for those who are here who have never trusted in you they've never by faith called on you I pray that they would call on you today in the name of Jesus we pray amen thank you for joining us for practical Christian living with Robert Furrow we hope that our verse-by-verse -verse studies truly help you to see that God is real he wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. 
If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to dig deeper in your walk with God? Then you are a great fit for REACH College with enrollment opportunities. To attend as a student or an auditor, the courses challenge you to analyze your way of thinking as you grow in your walk with Jesus. Find out more at thereachcollege.org. That is thereachcollege.org.